Good day, everyone. My name is Vince Hawkins, and this is the Vince and Bill podcast. Yes, it's just me today. Bill Molden is on sabbatical. Bill, if you're listening, we pray you're having a great respite, my friend. And uh, we look forward to having you back right after Thanksgiving. Anyway, today we picked up in Acts chapter 18. We find Paul in Corinth. And Paul has just left uh, Berea because of some persecution. He goes over to Athens, of course, in Acts chapter 17 there, where he addresses the Stoics and philosophers and sort of teaches them about this unknown God. And, uh, of course, wherever Paul went, he made it a habit of going into the synagogues so he would bring the message first to the Jews. And uh, Paul does a similar thing here. Uh, Of course, uh, when he leaves, he leaves Timothy and Silas. He leaves them in Berea. He goes to Athens, and from Athens, he ends up in Corinth. And uh, where he meets Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, Now, I am told that Priscilla is often mentioned first because perhaps she was a woman of high standing, maybe uh, perhaps had uh, married a man in a little bit lower uh, status than her in Aquila. Whether that's the case or not, I don't really know. It's kind of what the historians say. I know that's true for me. My wife, Robin, certainly married down when she married me. And so Aquila would be a very, very good company, from my opinion. And uh, so Paul here, he joins Corinth, and uh, just a little bit about the city of Corinth, uh, roughly 200,000 people in the city. Uh, it was a, probably in Paul's day, it was already a historical city um, with lots of great tradition. Um, uh, Corinth at one point uh, in B.C. tried to rebel against Rome, much to their dis- demise, of course. And so by the time Paul joins, uh, goes there, probably right around 48, 49 A.D., roughly 50 A.D., uh, he goes into Corinth, and the city's been built up, and it really is said that Corinth pretty much represents Rome. It was a, it was a port city. Uh, you can go to Corinth, and you'd find uh, two things. They were very, um, very prevalent. Trade, which meant commerce and money, and immorality, sex. And so Paul... Um, you know, being a missionary, being a man of God is, you know, wants to go into a tough situation. Uh, he wants to preach God's word where it's never been preached before. And going into Corinth was certainly a challenge. And so Paul finds himself in Corinth, probably one of the most, one of the most sinful cities or rival, not certainly rivaling uh, some of those uh, sinful cities of that day. And, uh, and in fact, it is believed that Paul wrote Romans from Corinth. If you were to read Romans chapter 1, you find where Paul really, um, uh, the uh, we, we learn Paul really just sort of lays out in Romans chapter 1 there just kind of how bad uh, the Roman uh, citizenry is. And uh, these people, they knew how to sin. And if you were to just kind of turn over to Romans chapter 1, uh, picking up there, Really, in verse 18, the wrath of God being revealed against against all the godliness and wickedness of the people. He goes on to talk about how these people live. And uh, as a result of that, he says down by verse 25 of Romans chapter 1, they exchange the truth about God for a lie and they worship, serve, and created things rather than to create himself. And because of this, verse 26, God gave them over to shameful lusts. It says even their women exchange 
uh, natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And, and uh, in the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were flamed with lust for uh, one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their sin. And so Paul, if you can imagine, as he's there in Corinth, sort of looking out and writing uh, to the church there in Rome, he is observing a very, very uh, lustful place, a very sinful place. And Paul is faced with the challenge. I believe if you read through chapter 18, uh, one of the things that jumps out at me is how easy it would have been for Paul to quit, how easy it would have been for him to give up or to give in. In fact, if you read through this section here, um, you know, Jesus uh, addresses Paul directly in, in Acts chapter 18 in verse 9. And he tells him, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. And the only reason I believe Jesus would say to Paul, do not be afraid, is because, well, let's just face it, Paul was tempted with fear, as we all are. He's tempted with fear. He's in this city. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man of God. He's a Pharisee. In many ways, he lived a pretty righteous life. And here he is in this large city. He, you're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. You're not in this little town of Jerusalem. He is in the city of, of Tar Tarsus. He is in the city of Corinth. Lots of people, lots of idols. Uh, the you know, the people of Corinth, the, the Corinth, they they bow down to the to the uh, to the goddess Aphrodite, Venus, and so you, we find Paul and Corinth just facing all of these temptations, all of these sins. Things must have been extremely intimidating for him. So I really talked about how you know, in the face of all this opposition. And in the face of really things that could have gotten him to quit or give up, give up, Paul finds four things that I believe God makes available to all of us today. And the first is pretty simple. Paul gets help. From the, day he, from the moment he arrives, he bumps into Priscilla and Aquila, and they become his support. He needs a place to stay. He makes tent. He's got a skill. Rabbis were very known not to take any money for their teaching. And so Paul picked up a, a skill, the skill of tent making like many of the rabbis did. So that he arrives in Corinth, he, he can make tents, he can earn a living, at least earn his keep, so to speak. And uh, he's helping Priscilla and Aquila with the business. And uh, so he's got support. And then not long, of course, after his, you know, he's there, but he's making time. He's not just tent making, he's preaching the word. Every day, as often as he can, he's arguing in the synagogue with the Jews, trying to persuade them. And he becomes somewhat successful. Of course, when Silas and Timothy finally join him uh, from Berea, I'd imagine, I, and I talked about this today, I imagine him going from Berea to Athens. Well, Paul's not here. From Athens to Corinth, and they find him there uh, making tents and preaching the word. He devotes his full time to preaching the word. Um and then, of course, then the, the second thing is, is that, um, you know, you need friends, people that are devoted to you, that can help you, that can, you know, keep you sort of going uh, in the faith. But the second thing he gets here, uh, verses 6 through 9, Paul gets opposition. And I think we're always going to face opposition when we are preaching the word, when we're on mission, when we're teaching, when we're being the people that God wants us to be. 
when we're about this, when, when, when we're engaged in this ministry of reconciliation, when we're involved in helping other people and digging and getting other people, it's nasty work. You get to know people's problems and all of that. But Satan, he want, he does not want people reconciled to God. He does not want people reconciled one to another. So what he's always doing is stirring up conflict. And in this case, he's stirring up opposition against Paul. And uh, the people, you know, they plot, you know, they bring him before the judgment seat of Galileo here. And uh, it's really cool because Paul doesn't even have to defend himself. The judge himself defends Paul. Said, look, I'm not going to deal with this. You deal with it on your own. And so, but he, but, 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 but if you're going to take on being God's man or woman, being a disciple of Jesus, being someone that's going to live out your faith and live out your repentance and live out your rebirth and baptism, uh, if you're going to live all that out, then you're going to need help. But you also must anticipate uh, opposition. And I quoted today, uh, I, think it was, uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said, um, say the enemy, uh, the devil, uh, never bothers to kick a dead horse. Meaning, of course, that if you're dead in your faith and you're not doing anything, Satan's going to leave you alone. So if you are about God's mission, if you're about God's purpose, if you're on mission, then you can expect some opposition. Question is, is when is the last time any of us have faced opposition for our faith? Opposition we may faith, but face, but for our faith? When's the last time anyone pushed back on you because of your faith? I mean, really pushed back because of your faith. Are we on the edge enough? Are we engaged enough that anyone would even think, wow, this guy is so radical in his faith, that it's so prevalent and so obvious that we are children of God? disciples of Jesus, that it honestly, to some degree, it ruffles Satan's feathers and it puts us right in his target. Anyway, so that's the second thing we got to overcome. Uh, you know, disciples today will face like Paul. We will, we, will, we will need help, but we will also face opposition. The third thing is, of course, uh, uh, we, we talked about a little earlier, uh, that um, we're also going to face fear and we're going to have to face the reality that we have to overcome our fears in order to not quit, which is why under the heading of this topic of do not be afraid, we get really, I think, four things that Jesus says to Paul here. The first is, of course, he says, do not be afraid, but the under that, keep on speaking. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Secondly, do not be afraid. Uh, do not be afraid and do not be silent. Thirdly, do not be afraid for I am with you. Fourthly, do not be afraid. No one's going to attack and harm you. And fifth, I think I said four, there's actually five. And fifth, do not be afraid because I have many people in this city. Luke 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God has a lot of people in our city of St. Louis. There's a lot of people in your city, no matter where you are, in the world. There are people in your city that want to know God, that need to know God. In fact, God says the harvest is plentiful no matter where you are, but the workers are few. The workers are so few that we cannot afford to keep not to not speak. We cannot afford to be silent. We cannot afford to act as if God is not with us. He has put his spirit inside of, inside of us and it envies intensely. 
We cannot afford to walk around in fear, shrinking back, acting like oh, we're going to be put in such, har in such harm's way for sharing our faith. And we cannot afford, of course, right, to forget the call of Luke 10, that there are many people that want to hear and need to hear God's word. And so we got Paul here, first three things in order, in, in order to, um, to, 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 to never give up to persevere, right? We've got to be these people who uh, certainly, uh, and I say fourth and finally, I suppose, is that, you know, um, Paul says here at the very end of Acts chapter 18, if we pick it up here and uh, verse 21, it says, as Paul left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. And the fourth and final point, the thing that God provides all of us, okay, in order for us to not quit or never give up, and uh, it is, we've got to really be people that lean into God's will for our lives, over and above our own will for our lives. I think too often, I can be sort of self-will. Uh, it's my will that I want done. And I think God's going to get on board with my will, and God's going to be, you know, pleased with my will, not realize, realizing that perhaps, you know, I am not following God's will. Maybe I should know what God's will, find God's will for my life, seek the help that God's provided in my life to, to, to make sure that I am in God's will and living out God's will. But I love that this ideal of, you know, doing God's will or if God's will, I will do this or that or whatever the case is, if it is God's will. It was, this was more than just a, a, a slogan for Paul. It really was how he lived. In fact, Paul was so caught up in God's will. The Bible says, Acts 18, that he took a vow, which many believe was a Nazarene vow to cut his hair. And uh, that he would abstain from certain foods and, and fermented drink and all of these things because he wanted to stay Focus. He wanted to stay on mission. He was so committed to God's will that he was willing to, you might say, in addition to, to do something that he didn't even have to do in taking a Nazarene vow. And he wasn't doing this out of legalism. He was doing it because he wanted to stay focused, stay missional, be in God's will, and living into God's plan and God's promise for his life and for the lives of all that he would reach. Paul had the challenge of going first to the Jews. And as he said back in Acts 18, hey, when the Jews didn't listen, he then he went to the Gentiles and he knew what his calling was. He was to be a light to the Gentiles. And in being a light to the Gentiles, that was going to require that he wasn't doing his will. He was doing God's will for his life. So there you have it. A simple summary of today's sermon. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the book of Acts has been incredibly refreshing. Uh, we'll continue to dive in it more, uh, dig a little bit more as we go. Hopefully you've picked up on something today that's not only helped you and encouraged you, but inspired you as well, inspired you to be people that you never give up and that, you know, I, I, I want to encourage all of us, no matter who you are, uh, look, I know it gets hard. It gets tough. Life can be challenging trying to be faithful, trying to be a Christian, it, it, I believe it is really the most difficult work we could be doing. Because, you know, there's so many people that are opposed to the gospel, okay? There's so many people that, well, they don't feel like they need any help in their lives spiritually. 
And there are many people that are not listening to God's voice or accepting God's words of affirmation and encouragement or living into God's will. But we are not of those who shrink back, Hebrews 12. We are those we actually do step up and step forward and we step out for God. And in doing all of that, we are the men and women. We are the brothers and sisters. We are the ones that, well, giving up, quitting, it's not even an option. We persevere. We hang in there to the very end. Thanks for joining us today, or thanks for joining me today. God bless you all. Good day.